is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for may 8th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings wherever you may be now, before I get the uh, WWE defenders and the brigade coming out to lynch me and aiming their pitchforks at me and carrying their fucking torches, Monday Night Raw was not a bad show. It wasn't bad. Was it good? I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I don't know why anybody is accepting good as, you know, the rating for a show. Why is good acceptable to you? We are well beyond accepting, yeah, you know what? It was was a good show. WWE just got done with a draft. WWE gave us Five and a half hours, possibly more, six hours of a draft and a supplemental draft that happened on the lowdown on SmackDown and Raw Talk and their social media. WWE gave us six hours of a draft and they keep shoving the narrative of, oh, the foundation is going to change. The foundation of WWE is changed forever. What we got tonight was basically your run-of-the-mill, every day, every week, same old shit, Monday Night Raw, and the only thing that changed was a new talent here, a coming soon vignette there, Zoe Stark over here, Imperium losing another match just on a different show. I don't know if you guys feel the same way as I do, but we need to start accepting great as the choice, the only choice for Monday night and Friday night. No longer will I accept accept just good. I'm not accepting just good anymore. Was it a bad show? No. Was it a good show? Not really. Was it acceptable, passable? Was it decent? Sure. Can't really sit here and shit on Seth Rollins and what he did tonight. Can't really shit on the triple threat match that we got to open the show with Nakamura and Damian Priest. With Seth Rollins. I can't shit on that. That was a very good match. 
Imperium, KO, Sami Zayn, very good match. But outside that, I, I can't I can't even begin to tell you how just boring the show was tonight. The entire show was built around the World Championship Tournament, the World Heavyweight Championship, a.k.a. the race for second place. Consolation prize. You get a championship title because you don't really fit the mold and the narrative of beating Roman Reigns. So WWE has their second place prize on the line tonight in what they are calling a tournament. Now, they made it into a tournament. They gave it a nice graphic in the tournament brackets. But let's be real, man. It's not really a tournament. It's not really a tournament. It's not a traditional tournament, I should say. So we got two triple threat matches tonight. We got two triple threat matches on SmackDown. And the winner of each show's tournament will battle at Night of Champions for the right to be called the first ever World Heavyweight Champion. Let's go over these names, shall we? Let's go over these brackets, shall we? The 12 wrestlers that WWE named yesterday afternoon are as follows. Seth Rollins, who, as you guys know, if you watch the show tonight, won the Monday Night Raw side of the tournament. He's now in the finals. He's going to Night of Champions. I think everybody kind of predicted that. It's not really a surprise to anybody watching WWE television that Rollins deserves the world championship. Along with Rollins, we have the United States champion, Austin Theory. Why is the United States champion a champion on SmackDown in the world title tournament? That is exclusive by the way, to Monday Night Raw. I don't know. I don't know. Wait till you see who he's in the tournament with. Which bracket he's in. God, man, I love WWE's lack of creativity. AJ Styles. Can't really complain about AJ Styles. AJ Styles is fucking great. AJ Styles is my pick to win the SmackDown side of the tournament. Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's on SmackDown. He's on the SmackDown side of the tournament. Finn Balor. He lost to Seth Rollins tonight in the final on the Monday Night Raw side. He is not going to Saudi Arabia. Rey Mysterio. Edge. Damian Priest. The Miz. Why The Miz is in this tournament, I don't know. The Miz has been a glorified jobber to the stars for months. Yet I'll have geeks online telling me, oh, well, he's a, he's a Grand Slam ch- 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 champion, man. The Miz belongs nowhere near a world title tournament. Nowhere. He actually brings the tournament down in quality. Nowhere near this tournament does the Miz belong. Sheamus. Sheamus is on the SmackDown side of things. Shinsuke Nakamura, the newly acquired Shinsuke on Raw, and our favorite baby face, man, in the entire WWE, the guy who's trying to finish his story, 
Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, man. He's trying to finish that story. Before we get to the fucking next chapter, I think everybody's going to fucking toss the book in a fucking pit of fire. Finish the fucking story. Give me a break. These are the 12 men that are in the WWE World Heavyweight title tournament. Now, WWE, man, you know, they, instead of doing an actual tournament, they gave you the most, and I mean the most uncreative and predictable tournament triple threat matches that you could have possibly ever booked. So tonight we got two triple threat matches on Raw. The first match was Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Damian Priest. Now, Damian Priest is great. Damian Priest just came out of a career-making moment in Puerto Rico against Bad Bunny at Backlash. Damian Priest is never going to be the world's heavyweight champion, at least not right now. And Damian Priest is not winning this tournament. He was never even given a chance to win this tournament. And nor should he be. Shinsuke Nakamura, not really there yet. I don't know what they do with Shinsuke Nakamura. I really don't. They got this guy on the verge of pairing with The Miz. They got Miz going around wanting a pairing with Nakamura, and he wants to call themselves Miz K Nakamura. If that ain't a Vince McMahon fucking creative idea, I don't know what the fuck is. Absolutely dreadful. That's the best you got for Shinsuke, huh? I thought I read Shinsuke was about to get the rocket pack strapped to him because Triple H wants to rebuild Nakamura. Pairing him with The Miz is not rebuilding Nakamura. Seth Rollins was the only logical choice coming out of this match. And we'll go over exactly what happened in that opening match, that triple threat match to open Raw. Rollins was the only winner coming out of this first triple threat match. The second triple threat match on Raw saw Cody Rhodes against The Miz against Finn Balor. Now, I think I made a video yesterday. I know I made a video yesterday. I actually uploaded it today. It was early in the morning. If you guys saw the video, I laid out exactly how everything was going to go. You know, this is why we do our thing here, man. We are the best live stream show in the entire community, man. Nobody's even close. I said in that video this morning that Rollins and Balor were going to be in the finals. Now, they could have did Cody Rhodes. They could have did Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins in the main event of Monday Night Raw. But what good would that do Seth Rollins? Yeah, he gets a win over Cody Rhodes. Sure. He gets his win back. He avenges those three losses. But the entire reason why Cody was in this tournament to begin with, which WWE, they foolishly continue to throw out. Oh, he's got to finish his story. Cody was never going to win this tournament. Cody is not finishing his story for this championship. I don't know why you continue to throw that narrative out there when he is not in the presence of Roman Reigns. Several times tonight, WWE on commentary said that Cody Rhodes is going to finish the story and win the World Heavyweight Championship. Him finishing the story does not include the World Heavyweight Championship. It includes Roman and the undisputed title only. Cody Rhodes was never going to win this tournament. Cody Rhodes was always going to get screwed 
out of his placement in this tournament. Just look at what happened at Backlash. WWE had Cody Rhodes get the most random, out-of-nowhere flash pin on Brock Lesnar. A bloody Brock Lesnar, by the way. And you didn't think the way that that show went off the air that Brock Lesnar would have some retaliation in mind? Of course Brock Lesnar was going to screw Cody Rhodes out of the world championship. I even said so and predicted early this morning in the video that you could go back and watch. It's on the homepage of my YouTube channel. I laid it out for you. This should be no surprise to anybody. So Cody Rhodes got fucked and Brock Lesnar screwed him over. Finn Balor won the second match. WWE could have did Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, but I'm glad they didn't. The reason why Brock Lesnar chose the triple threat match to screw Cody Rhodes in is because there's no DQ. He would be allowed to do so legally. If he did it in the main event, if it was Cody and Seth in the main event, that would make Seth look weak because you should have Seth, no matter who he's in there against, win clean to go to Saudi Arabia like he did tonight. He wrestled Balor. He won clean. There was no outside interference. There was no Damian Priest. There was no Dominic. There was no Rhea. There was no J.D. McDonough making a debut. Nothing. He beat Balor clean the way it should have been. Why would you have Brock fuck Cody over in the finals? Why would you even allow Brock to let Cody get to the finals? You want to get your revenge and fuck him over as soon as you can. You don't want to make Rollins look weak and have Rollins win because of a Brock Lesnar assist. That's why they did what they did tonight. So Seth Rollins is going to Night of Champions. Great. Great. We're one step closer to getting the world champion that we all predicted back on Monday night. Second place, Rollins. Now, the SmackDown side of things, it's a little interesting on SmackDown. We got Edge versus AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio in a triple threat match on SmackDown. That's going to be a fucking banger. Now, I'm actually excited about that. You got two of my choices in the same match. That's going to be great. I'm going with AJ. I think AJ is going to go to the finals and we're going to get AJ versus Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship. It could very well be Edge. I have no problem. I have zero problem with either one of those men winning that match. If it's not AJ, it's going to be Edge. I'd be okay with it. Or maybe they give it to Ray because of how hot the LWO is right now. We don't really know. Could go to any one of those three guys, but I'm either picking AJ or Edge. It's going to be a great match. Looking forward to that immensely. The other match, the other match is Austin Theory versus Sheamus versus Bobby Lashley. I don't know why we continue to put Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory in the same fucking match. This is supposed to be a refreshed roster. This is supposed to be new matchups, new stories, a new SmackDown, a new Raw Yet here we are, we're just taking the same fucking feuds and putting them on the other show, the same guys that were on one brand, put them together on another brand in the same match. I am done with Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley in the same fucking match. Nobody wants to see it and nobody cares. Austin Theory shouldn't even be in this fucking tournament. He's the United States champion. 
could easily say, well, if Austin Theory's in the tournament, why isn't Gunther in the tournament? Why is The Miz in the tournament? But we left out Karrion Cross. Why is The Miz in the tournament? And we left out Bronson Reed. Why is The Miz in the tournament? But we left out Johnny Gargano. And the list goes on and on. I can name anybody in there. It would be better than The Miz. Why is The Miz in the tournament? But we didn't get LA Knight. I don't understand it. Why is Austin Theory in the tournament and not Gunther? Why do we have to be subjected to Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley again? This entire tournament was a fucking waste of time. All you're doing is wrestling for a second place prize that will be looked at as a consolation prize. You're going to be looked at as underneath Roman Reigns. And it's not exclusive to Raw because a SmackDown superstar will be wrestling for the right to win an exclusive title that should be on Monday Night Raw only. They've already fucked themselves by breaking their own rules and we're not even in the fucking new season of WWE coming out of the draft. And no matter how many times you want to make sense of it, stop. It doesn't make sense. WWE did nothing to elicit any excitement tonight. WWE did nothing to make changes to the show. It was the same fucking show that you got before the draft, after the draft. They're running into the same problem. Every time they're fucking talked about and everybody's hyped up on WWE, they turn around with the follow-up show and they fucking kill all that momentum and all that hype. They did it after Royal Rumble. They did it after WrestleMania. They did it after Backlash. And now we accept good as the standard for WWE. That's the bar you guys have set for WWE good. I'm not here for good. I'm here for new stories, which we got zero of tonight. I'm here for captivating television, new talent, new stars, which we got barely any of tonight. I want something fresh. And we got nothing. Same design, same logo. There was clickbait all over Twitter, all over YouTube. Uh, WWE's got a new logo. Maybe they're freshening up the show. New logo, new theme, nothing. They did nothing. The WRKD wrestling account on Twitter tweeted out that Triple H wanted to make a statement and get people talking with the first show following the WWE draft. I found myself talking to myself. I'm still waiting for what we were supposed to be talking about. What are we talking about? Predictability? You got it. Nothing changed? We got it. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes? We got it. Seth Rollins predictably winning a tournament that we knew he was going to win once it was announced? We got it. No new matchups, no new stories, a fucking absolutely horrid promo by Trish Stratus. Kevin Patrick fucking sucks dick on commentary. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Meanwhile, you want me to sit there and accept good for Monday Night Raw. Fuck you, good. We're here because we know the show could be better. Yet everybody accepts good. If everybody accepts good, nothing's going to fucking change. 
I'm here for great. Great. And now we enter Saudi Arabia and Night of Champions. The typical WWE feeling. You get the WWE creative lull. They don't give a fuck about Saudi Arabia, but they certainly give a fuck about taking their money. And the fans get fucked over because the WWE wants to be a greedy fucking sons of bitches. So the creative has to suck. What a fucking draft tonight. We got Rhea Ripley and Natalia battling it out for the SmackDown Women's Championship on Raw. Man, I can't wait for that one. We got Dana Brooke on the show tonight. Who the fuck asked for Dana Brooke? You got Dana Brooke on Monday Night Raw wrestling after the draft. Meanwhile, how many women did you draft to Monday Night Raw? And of all the women, Dana Brooke gets on TV? You have to be fucking kidding me. Imperium loses another match. Ali versus Otis. What am I watching? Nikki Cross comes out to crickets. We got piped in crowd reactions all night. It's as if Kevin Dunn left a legitimate piece of wood on the fucking button in production. And he forgot to remove it. That Brock Lesnar segment with Cody Rhodes tonight had one four-minute loop of nothing but the same boo track during the entire fucking thing. So loud that I couldn't hear a fucking word out of his mouth. Now, but you guys want to accept good from Monday Night Raw. Fuck, you're good. Monday Night Raw needs to be better. We got nothing new from Monday Night Raw, and the WWE continues to fucking jam this shit down your throat. The foundation has changed. What foundation? There wasn't even a foundation to fucking stand on. What's changed? Nothing's changed. AEW wants to go hire a fucking creative consultant in Will Washington. Maybe fucking WWE needs a goddamn creative consultant. Holy shit. So many things don't make sense on this show. No explanation for why the SmackDown title is on Raw. No explanation on what's happening with the tag team titles and why we got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens carrying two titles. I'm still waiting. Brock Lesnar's out there asking Cody what he wants to talk about. I'll tell you what I want to talk about, Brock. How about a fucking explanation? This shit is fucking awful. You don't like that I accept better? Go live in your fucking sea of mediocrity, man. I'm not here for good. We were supposed to get a show that we were going to be talking about. I'm certainly talking about it, and I'm talking about how fucking terrible it was. Take your good and shove it up your ass. I ain't here for good. Nothing I do is good. Everything I do is fucking great. If I accepted good, I wouldn't be the number one fucking watch live stream right now in the entire fucking community if I was good. If I was good, I'd have Denise's fucking numbers. Well, that may be actually stretching it right there, man. Never mind. <laughs> Forget about that. 
good. <laughs> Get out of here, man. You guys know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. We deserve better. We deserve a lot better than what we got on Monday Night Raw tonight. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're actually going to talk about it and give explanations, unlike fucking Brock Lesnar tonight against Cody Rhodes. Told you, man, nobody wants to believe me. Nobody wants to believe me. If Triple H was completely in charge, do you think this show would have been good? This show is being run by Vince McMahon. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's running this show and Triple H is running SmackDown. There's no way. There's no way. Thank you guys for joining me on this Monday night, man. We're going to get into it. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Very important. We are well on our way to 146,000 subscribers. Hit that thumbs up. We got 2,700 people in here, man. There should be no less than 1,000 likes tonight. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. Let me know what you think of tonight's Monday Night's Raw. Memberships. I'm always taking membership applications, man. Hit that join button down below and join the VIP club right here on Off The Script. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. Go get your free sample. Off the script is giving out free samples of Blue Chew, man. It's a good day for everybody. Use that code JD. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling and go check out all the other videos on the channel. We got a couple extras up there. The Backlash Post Show. We talk about Carlito. We talk about the world title tournament, getting you guys ready for it. Go check it out, man. Everything you need is on the homepage. Would love if you show those videos some love right here on OTS. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Monday Night Raw opened with Cody Rhodes. Of course we see Cody Rhodes. He beat Brock Lesnar at Backlash in what I thought was a disappointing outing. I thought the match was fucking lame. I'm really done with Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar, man. I really am. This is the last time. WWE's doing it, not a champions. There's no title on the line. Neither man is a champion. They're going to do a match at Night of Champions, which we all kind of suspected anyway after the way that the Backlash main event ended. And Cody's out here thinking that he got away scot-free like he robbed the fucking bank. Now I can concentrate on the world heavyweight title. Nah. Nah. Now Vince McMahon's going to let you suffer, bro. Vince McMahon's going to give you that adversity that we all ask for in Brock Lesnar. So Cody Rhodes... He got a decent reaction to open the show. This was the only time in the, in the night that Jacksonville was actually very excited. They showed some life in the first 15 minutes. After that, forget about it. As soon as 9 o'clock hit, sounds like everybody went to sleep. He asked Jacksonville what they want to talk about. He appreciated the enthusiastic reception that they gave him. Many of you know, this was my home. During the pandemic, and we made many wonderful memories together. Clearly indicating his time in AEW without mentioning AEW. And I love when Cody mentions AEW without actually mentioning AEW. You just know what he's talking about. So good on Cody to give Jacksonville a nod there and AEW a nod. They did make memories. Some of of you guys actually loved those dailies place shows during uh, the pandemic for AEW, man. A lot of you guys felt like AEW did it right during the pandemic. A lot of those shows were really good. Cody was a part of that. Good on him. I say we make more wonderful memories tonight. He touted Backlash being the most watched Backlash of all time. He says he didn't get to appreciate the beauty of Puerto Rico Because he had the task of facing the most decorated combat athlete of all time in Brock Lesnar. He said he discovered what Lesnar is made of because it was all over my wrist, a.k.a. Lesnar's blood. He said Lesnar took away his focus and clarity because it became a fight for survival. He said now that Lesnar is in the rear view mirror, not really, but he thinks so. He wants to focus on the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Cody leaves the ring and he asks the production truck to show the tournament brackets on the big screen as he's walking towards the podium that the title is being kept on in the aisleway. He said he will fight tooth and nail until he's announced the new World Heavyweight Champion. Fans chanted, you deserve it, you deserve it. He closed with saying, Jacksonville, let the tournaments begin. Now, WWE sends Seth Rollins out there, and his music plays, and he's dancing to the ring, and the fans in Jacksonville are singing his song, and he walks right by Cody Rhodes as WWE teases that it could end up being Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes in the finals of this Monday Night Raw side of the World's Heavyweight Title Tournament. So they pass... Like two ships in the night, they look at each other, and then Rollins goes about his business and gets ready for the opening match against Damian Priest 
and Shinsuke Nakamura. Kathy Kelly interviewed Damian Priest, and she asked about Bad Bunny. Tremendous match. If you guys missed it, I urge you to go watch. It was incredible. He said it took an entire island to take him down, and he plans to take down his opponents tonight all by himself. He said then they'll see whether it was Finn or himself that brings back the world title to Judgment Day. There's just a different vibe about Damian Priest now, man. You just see it. You see it unfolding before your very eyes. You, you, see, you see the man elevating right before your very eyes. This is not the same Priest that you got a year ago, two years ago. This is a different Damian Priest, man. This Damian Priest, you're legitimately seeing him level up on Monday night. It's a beautiful thing to see. He speaks well. He carries himself well. He carries himself like a superstar. He was given the task to get Bad Bunny over, or I should not really Bad Bunny over, but he was tasked with protecting Bad Bunny and guiding Bad Bunny to a great match, which he did. The match was tremendous. And he's done everything that WWE has required of him. And you could see that they are taking him to be a big deal. And Judgment Day is going to continue to be a big deal. Love it. It's one of my favorite things about watching WWE or AEW television. Watching guys legitimately level up right before our very eyes. And that's exactly what WWE needs. They need new top guys. Their priority should be to make everyone into a top guy. And that's what you're seeing with Damian Priest. Seth Rollins, Nakamura, and Damian Priest for the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. This is the first qualifying match, or I should say the first tournament match. So, I thought this was the best match of the entire night, to be honest with you. I thought this was uh, tremendous. I thought this was very well done. And we got these guys uh, doing what they do. They went in there, they had a great match, and the right guy won. The right guy won. Seth Rollins came out on top, and there was nobody else in this match that really stood a chance at all. It wasn't going to be Priest, it wasn't going to be Nakamura, everybody was going to look strong, and it was going to end up being Seth Rollins regardless. WWE really focused on the first, I guess, half an hour of the show to be focused around setting the tone for the tournament, getting Cody Rhodes out there, getting this match, plenty of time. It went about 14 minutes or so, and they had a really, really good match. Nakamura was in control. Rollins then took over. He wiped out both guys with a flying crossbody, and then he started suicide diving everybody. Priest cut him off. Nakamura gets in there. He hit Priest with some strikes, a big flying knee. He takes Priest down. He goes for a two. Priest decked Nakamura with a forearm and then plants Rollins with a flatliner. He goes for cover of his own. He only gets a two count. So all three men are in there. They're exchanging strikes. Nakamura, Rollins got rid of Priest. They focused on each other. Rollins dropped Nakamura with the clothesline. Priest dropped Rollins on the top rope. He then tried to razor's edge Seth Rollins. But his knee gave out, so Rollins hit a curb stomp, and Nakamura quickly breaks up the cover with Rollins covering Priest. Nakamura now is in control. He got the best of a strike back and forth with Rollins, and he hit a reverse exploder on Seth Rollins. 
He tried to set up for the Kinshasa, but Priest absolutely leveled him with a clothesline and tossed Rollins from the ring. Nakamura then fought back and put Priest's injured leg in a leg lock. So he was about to tap, and he couldn't reach for the ropes because there are no rules in a triple threat match. So it was either hang on or give up and tap out. So with Priest in the leg lock, Rollins flew off the top rope, out of the frame, off the top rope, and hit an absolutely beautiful rotating frog splash on Nakamura. He picks up Shinsuke. He delivers a pedigree. And Seth Rollins legitimately won with the pedigree, which is normally his setup move or one of his setup moves, and he never wins with it. He wins with the pedigree as he pins Shinsuke Nakamura and advances to the next round of the tournament. Great. Great. We all expected that. Fun, fun match. Really nice finish with the leg lock, the frog splash, and then the pedigree. And Rollins pins Nakamura. Now, I've seen some people complaining online about Shinsuke being pinned because they just brought him back and there were reports about WWE really building Shinsuke back up into be a main event guy or into uh, being a main event guy, I should say. But Damian Priest just came out of Puerto Rico losing to somebody that's not an active professional wrestler. So I think it would have been a mistake for Damian Priest to take another pinfall loss it just goes to show you the stock right now and who's got the hot hand in WWE. You're going to go with Damian Priest over Nakamura. So Rollins ended up pinning Nakamura. And I don't really think that it harms Shinsuke in any way. People need to win. People need to lose. So I think the right guy got pinned. I think the right guy won. And everybody looked good. And it was a competitive match. And Seth Rollins was the right outcome he advances to the semifinals of the tournament here on the Monday Night Raw side of things. This was easily the best match of the entire night, in my honest opinion. Moving on. We got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They were backstage, and they were confronted by Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. They were walking backstage and basically talking amongst themselves that Gunther arrives next week on Raw. Great. I love when the ring general is in the building. They saw Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens backstage. And they tried to interrupt Sami and KO's conversation. Sami says they were bu busy discussing something very important. So they needed five minutes. Kaiser says, we don't deal with the disrespect because we are Imperium. Sammy said, well, we're discussing something important and you guys will be Imperium in five minutes. I will be done in five minutes. Just give me some time. Owen said, very valid point to Sammy Zane. Very valid point, Sammy. Kaiser then waved his finger in Sammy's face. And Owen says, it's very difficult to concentrate with these guys here. Kaiser says if they keep disrespecting them, they're putting themselves in the tag team discussion and it's going to be a problem. And if that happens, they are going to be in danger. Those titles are going to be in danger. Sammy says they dealt with the Usos for months, so I don't think they're going to be in danger, but they'll deal with them tonight and get this over with one and done. On a normal night, I think this would be a tremendous match. 
on a night like tonight, I'm not accepting this as a match, nor would I want to see this match immediately as the rosters finally went into effect following the draft. Yes, let's put our two best tag teams in a match that means nothing on Monday Night Raw. It's not exactly the creative vision that I would have brought to the table for both of these teams right here. Instead, WWE should really be focusing on what are we doing with the Monday Night and SmackDown Tag Team Champions? What are we doing with the Raw Tag Team Titles and the SmackDown Tag Team Titles? Are we going to unify them? Are we going to give the SmackDown belts back to Friday night? Are we going to give the titles a unification and give Sammy and KO one title? What are we doing? Instead of making matches for the sake of making matches, why don't we sit down with a creative idea and come up with a fucking plan on what we're doing with the tag team titles? Or is that not important enough? That's what should be discussed. Not Imperium versus KO and Sami Zayn. I'll rant about that a little bit later. Mustafa Ali. He's a free agent, by the way. You would have never known. He was on Raw before the draft, and he's still on Raw. It's almost as if he wasn't even drafted. Mustafa Ali goes one-on-one with Otis. I'd love to know how I should care about this match when it went two minutes. Two minutes. Otis, he was on defense against Ali and pressed Ali over his head. Maxine Dupree was out there with Chad Gable. She stood on the apron trying to give Otis advice. Chad Gable jumped on the apron trying to give Otis advice. He was torn between, do I listen to Maxine or do I listen to Chad? Do I listen to Maxine? Do I listen to Chad? Going back and forth. Then the crowd started doing the boo and the yeah. He turned to Maxine, they booed. He turned to Gable, they said yeah. Obviously, this was a distraction for Otis. Gable wanted him to do the Caterpillar. Maxine did not want him to do the Caterpillar. Ali avoided Otis, who charged instead. He went into the steel post. Then he landed a 450 splash, did Ali for the 1-2-3. Creativity at its finest, folks. Wow. How am I supposed to care about a nothing storyline with Maxine Dupree and the Maximum Male Losers? Two minutes. Miz, he was backstage. He explained why he is in the world title tournament. He put himself over. He says he would win the tournament and everybody would have to put respect on his name. He is a two-time Grand Slam champion and he deserves to be in this tournament. Miz has not won a match all year long. Yet I got people telling me that The Miz belongs in this tournament. I got people carrying on about, I need to respect The Miz. Put some respect on The Miz's name. Don't look at me, bitch. Don't look at me, motherfucker. WWE has sent this guy out there and he hasn't won a fucking match all year long. 
Yet I'm the one that's supposed to take me seriously, though. Sure thing. Sure thing. Go look at uh, Papa Vince. Don't look at me. Finn Balor, Miz, and Cody Rhodes. The second triple threat match of the night. This went significantly less than the last one. It went about nine minutes. And this was clearly not better than the first match. Not to say that it was bad, because you can't really say anything's bad when Cody's involved or when Finn Balor's involved, but the Miz got away lucky here because he had these two guys with him in this match. So Balor made his ring entrance. Cody made his second ring entrance of the hour. So we had to hear, whoa, twice within the hour. As if that's not going to get boring and played out before you know it. So they're in the ring. All three of these guys in the ring. They all traded uh, a roll up for two counts to start uh, getting some momentum. Cody dove through the ropes onto Ballot and onto Miz. They go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Cody gave Ballot and Miz a Cody cutter, a double Cody cutter. And then he was favoring his shoulder. He was tending to his shoulder because of the beating Brock Lesnar gave him with the Kimura lock last night or on Saturday night. So he set up crossroads on Balor. Balor escaped. Cody then hits a disaster kick on Finn Balor. He goes for a near fall cover, gets a two count. He landed a running drop kick and then climbed the top rope. He leapt off with the stomp. Cody moved out of the way. Balor was hit with Miz and the skull-crushing finale. Cody broke up Miz's cover. Cody was going to hit a crossroads. Miz stopped that from happening. Cody then gave Miz three crossroads. One crossroads, two crossroads, three crossroads. Ha, ha, ha. He's fucking count on Sesame Street. When Cody made the cover off the third crossroads... Brock Lesnar and his silly cowboy hat comes out and yanks Cody by his boots. Wow, man, what a ring general Cody is, man. He's making the pinfall with his feet exposed near the ropes, man. What, what, a, what a professional Cody Rhodes is, right? Brock Lesnar gets out there. He yanks Cody by the boot and he drags him outside. He gives him an F5 at ringside. Lesnar was clearly beat up from the Saturday night main event. At Backlash, he had visible stitches or staples or whatever the fuck they they did to him right on the forehead, which he busted himself open hard way. He had a black eye, looked like he had something underneath his nose. And Cody was then driven through the announce table with an F5. So Lesnar gave him two F5s. And then he go, then he goes and grabs a microphone. And I'm like, yes. Yes, uh, finally, we're going to get an explanation as to why he has targeted the American nightmare. Did we get an explanation tonight? We did not. So Brock Lesnar grabs a microphone and he looks at Cody and he yells down at Cody. So what do you want to talk about, Cody? Well, I don't know, Mr. Lesnar. How about a fucking explanation? Why have you targeted Cody Rhodes? Is that too much to ask? What do I want to talk about? 
I would like a fucking explanation as to what is going on here. When Lesnar asked this question, and when Lesnar was looking down at a beaten Cody Rhodes, the piped-in boos were so fucking loud and obnoxious, I could not, for the life of me, hear anything Brock Lesnar was saying. Brock Lesnar gave no explanation, and then you couldn't even hear him fucking speak. Because the loudness of the booze was so up, the volume was so up, that it drowned out everything. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the audience, and everybody's just standing there, quiet. They all got their phones out. They're all snapping pictures. Nobody's making a movement. Nobody's fucking going crazy in the crowd. Silence. Silence. Meanwhile, WWE upped the volume on these boos so much that it came across as the worst fucking segment that I've seen Brock Lesnar in in a very long time. Brock Lesnar, of all fucking people, needs piped in fucking artificial booze. You need to sell this to the audience by piping in fake crowd noises? Or am I losing my fucking mind? Am, am I out of the realm of asking that question? Why do you need to pipe in fake reactions for Cody and Brock Lesnar? I thought this was the program that was going to make Cody into the hero. He's going to finish his story after he slays the beast. Meanwhile, we got fake crowd reactions. Why? Did you feel like you needed to up the volume for the crowd reactions because this was Cody's former home turf? Did you want to drown out the AEW booze? I mean, give me a fucking break. Absolutely cringe. Cringe. And then Lesnar looks in the camera. Look at my face. Look at my face. I don't want to look at your face. I want to look at you giving me an explanation as to why you targeted Cody Rhodes. Then I'll look at your face. Until that happens, I don't give a fuck what you look like. I want to talk about me, 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 he says. If you don't think Vince McMahon is booking this fucking storyline, if you don't think Vince McMahon is writing this shit, then I don't know what the fuck you are watching. This is so fucking lame. I want to talk about me, 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 me. What is he, Dolph Ziggler? It should have been me. It should have been me. He asks Cody if he wants to take credit for ruining his face. He yelled that he wants a fight. You, me, Knight of Champions, a fight. Who's the coward now? Well, I don't know. Attacking Cody Rhodes in a match that was sanctioned for a tournament and ruining his chances doesn't seem like a fucking great way to portray yourself there, Brock. That seems like a coward to me. This shit sucks. This shit is awful. Lesnar walks up the aisle where he looks at the fucking title sitting on the podium and he laughs, knowing that he ruined Cody's chances to win the world championship. 
Backstage, a trainer was checking on Cody. He asked Cody how his ribs were feeling. He was there with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. A fight. They're going to fight. He wants a fight at Night of Champions. What type of fight? We getting a last, a last man standing match? We getting a first blood match? Are we getting a fight pit match? I don't know. Steel cage? Unsanctioned? Is it going to be sanctioned by Adam Pierce, Or is it going to be unsanctioned? Lights out for WWE. I don't know. It's got to be some sort of stipulation because neither one of these guys has a championship title. Both of these guys are without a title. Wrestling on a pay-per-view called Night of Champions. Neither one of them are champions. So it's got to be something with a a stipulation. And that's it. And that's it. Cody Lesnar was fun for backlash to some people. I didn't really give a shit about it. We all knew it was going to be a second match. And this is it. This is it. This feud has got a two-match limit. Knowing Vince, he'll drag this shit out till SummerSlam. Cody beats Brock in Saudi Arabia. He goes on to qualify for Money in the Bank. And he wins the Money in the Bank briefcase and cashes in against Roman at SummerSlam. And he finishes the story. That's it. That's it. Simple. Not WrestleMania, not Money in the Bank, not fucking uh, Cardiff or Survivor Series, SummerSlam. And then we can get Roman doing whatever he's got to do with the bloodline, which clearly does not need the world championship. But this shit, man, I'm over it. I'm not excited about it. I'm not invested in it. I don't really find it interesting You know, the more WWE continues to shove Cody in our faces in this unorganic manner with these fake crowd noises and this fucking typical bullshit with Brock Lesnar that we've seen time and time and time again, nobody is going to fucking care when Cody wins the title. I'm telling you right now, this Lesnar feud is the start of people dropping off the Cody hype train. How many people are fucking still pissed at WWE for them not doing it at WrestleMania? Now they're putting him in a feud with Brock Lesnar that's going to span one pay-per-view, two pay-per-views, knowing Vince three pay-per-views. This is the same tired formula that we've seen with everyone before Cody Rhodes. Why are we following that same beaten path with Cody? Why? I'm not here for Cody to be valiant over Brock Lesnar. I wanted him to struggle, but not by throwing Brock Lesnar in his face for two pay-per-views. Something a little bit more creative, something to whet my fucking appetite a little bit more than what we've seen with everybody else before Cody. Seth Rollins has been through it. Roman's been through it. John Cena's been through it. How many times? How many? Many times. It's ridiculous, it's lame, and it's boring. Can't really find myself to get excited about anything that's going on here with these two guys. Rhea Ripley. She went one-on-one with Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. Are there any Dana Brooke fans in attendance tonight? 
Are there any Dana Brooke fans in attendance in Jacksonville? Are there any Dana Brooke fans, period? All three of you. You all wanted Dana Brooke to be given an opportunity. Here you go, man. Here you go. Dana Brooke and Rhea Ripley, two minutes. Dana Brooke came out. She does that fucking cringy pose, whatever the fuck she does. She's walking down the aisleway. She asks for a high five. Dana Brooke asked for a high five. Normally, it's the fans on the other side of the barricade asking for a high five, and the, and the wrestlers ignore them. She asked for a high five from some kid that was sitting in the front row, and this kid looked over and then looked back at his fucking parents and ignored the shit out of Dana Brooke. That kid gets a... I know. I know. Whoever that kid's parents are, man, they deserve a raise. They are raising that child the right way. Fuck Dana Brooke. Awful. Out of all the women, out of all the women that you drafted to this show, Dana Brooke is the first woman that we see on Monday Night Raw. Wow, man, who made that decision? Now, I know, I know, I know. Rhea Ripley... Rhea Ripley needed somebody to squash and better to squash Dana Brooke than somebody new that they just called up from NXT. But I would have rather not even get the match, period. Rhea Ripley could have came out and explained what she was doing with the SmackDown women's title. What's going to happen with the title? Are we going to get a swap of the belts? Are they going to trade her and Bianca? Are they going to unify the titles? What are we doing? No explanation. WWE just goes about business as if these things don't exist. So, Riptide, and that was it. Dana Brooke is awful. She is fucking awful. How this woman is still employed, I don't know. I don't know. Absolute silence when she comes out. Rhea Ripley with the Riptide, one, two, three, and that was basically it. That was it. Uh, well, no, it wasn't even the Riptide. She, she did the Riptide, and then she put uh, Ripley in that prism lock, that reverse cloverleaf. One, two, three, tap out, goodbye. Two minutes. After the match, Ripley gave Dana Brooke another Riptide and then went back and applied the prism lock again. Dominic was there cheering her on. All of a sudden, Natalia. 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 I know, I can't, uh, I, 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 I can't, man, I can't. You guys, I, I mean, I'm feeling the excitement coming off my live stream chat right now, man. Natalia, man, everybody is, is brimming and gleaming with excitement, man. Natalia Neidhart comes out, man. She stomps out there, she's walking out there, and she gets in the ring and she stands up for Dana Brooke, man. She confronts Rhea Ripley, for the SmackDown women's title, and she gets face-to-face with Rhea. Wow, man. You can easily tell which time of year we are in, man. The glorified, let's get Natty to fly out to Saudi Arabia because she's a women's wrestling ambassador, and she's going to wrestle Rhea Ripley in a nothing match that nobody gives a flying fuck about for a title that doesn't even belong on this show. So we can say that we're making a change 
in Saudi Arabia, and Natalia is making it change. That's the best creative we got for Rhea Ripley, huh? Out of all the women that you drafted to, to, to Monday Night Raw, Dana Brooke and Natalia are thrown in the direction of Rhea Ripley. Then I got people telling me the show was good. Sure. Sure thing. This shit is fucking awful. Awful. SmackDown is no better. Their women's division is no better. I hope to God that somebody's concocting a creative idea about what we're doing with the blue title on the red show. Maybe we'll get an explanation sometime next week. Maybe. Byron Saxton. She interviewed Zoe Stark. Wow. Somebody I actually want to see. He said she's one of the most impressive competitors to come out of NXT in a while. He asked about being added to Monday Night Raw. She said she is amazing and has complete confidence in her ability. She walked over to Nikki Cross, who was hanging out, talking to herself in the, in the darkest corner of the fucking room. Stark said she's going to succeed because this. We have weirdos like this on Monday night. She challenged Nikki to be her first opponent on Raw. Nikki mumbled something. And Zoe Stark said, yeah, that's good. I'll see you out in the ring. Great. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They had a match with Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser of Imperium. Now, normally I would be excited about this match. Normally, I would be very pleased to see these two teams in the ring, given how great all four of them are. But when I complain about something on social media... A lot of people want to take what I say and twist it around. First of all, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have, I don't want to say gone ice cold, but their momentum has been slowed tremendously on Monday Night Raw. Or in the tag team division as tag team champions. Tremendously. Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. They are without Gunther. Where is Gunther? He just got married. He's been on his honeymoon. He'll be back next Monday. Imperium wrestled the Street Profits on Friday night. The Street Profits beat them in three minutes. I asked why. Why do Vinci and Kaiser need to be treated like jobbers when they are probably pound for pound the best tag team in the entire company? In ring, in the entire company. Don't get it. So Gunther's not there, they lose. Every single time. We get this tag team match tonight, I'm like, all right, this should be a decent match, right? They'll probably get about nine, ten minutes. They got ten minutes or so. Decent little match. But what does it mean? What does it mean to you watching this show? Oh, it's a great match. Oh, it's, it's something to fill TV time. That's the answer you'll get. It's going to lead to something. Really? How do you know that? 
from a company that's notorious from dropping angles, no matter what it is, from one week to the next. Yeah, it'll lead to something. Man, you're very confident in saying that, aren't you, fellow social media geek? Maybe you don't realize who's pulling the strings on this fucking show. Because it ain't Paul Levesque. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, we'll let it play out. Let what play out? Let Imperium play out? Why is this match made? What good does this do, Kaiser and Vinci? They lost. They lost clean to the tag team champions. This is what happens when nobody takes wins and losses to matter. They lost clean to the tag team champions. Why on earth would they be given another tag team title match for the titles? Why would they be given another match, period, for the tag team titles when they just lost this non-title nothing, never should have happened match on Monday Night Raw that was simply made to just fill TV time because Gunther's not there? Or am I losing my mind? Don't, don't argue with me. Don't argue with me. Now, the normal thing that should have happened is maybe we should have got a fucking explanation as to why the tag team champions are holding two sets of tag team titles. Where are the SmackDown tag team titles going to go seeing that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been drafted to Monday Night Raw? Are we getting that going? Probably not. Could have put all your efforts and resources into answering that fucking million dollar question, but nobody gives a fuck. They want to argue about why this match was good and why I never wanted to see this match in the first place. Yet. Now, the real thing, the real situation that should have happened here is the divisions should be won. Tag teams should be wrestling to win matches, to then win matches and get tag team title opportunities. Meanwhile, WWE is blowing their fucking load on a tag team match that is good enough to be a program for the tag team titles on their first night in following the WWE draft. And nobody sees a problem with that where these guys lost already. Why do they lose every single time? Do they win matches when they're in a tag team element on their own? It seems like they don't win matches unless it's a six-man tag team match and Gunther is the reason why they win the matches. Do Vinci and Kaiser win matches on their own? No. Do Vinci and Kaiser win when Gunther is not there? No. No, but I'm losing. I'm the one complaining, though. They deserve better. The match was fine for what it was, but what does it mean? It means nothing. It happened. It ended. It'll be forgotten about by next week. Imperium took over on Sami Zayn. Zayn fought back. He made a hot tag to Owens. He went after Kaiser. Back body drop. Atomic drop. Clothesline. Pump handle neck breaker. Senton bomb. On Kaiser, but Vinci broke up the cover. Imperium then gets back in control for a second, double-teamed Owens to take over. Owens eventually gave Kaiser a stunner. He super-kicked Vinci. Sami Zayn tagged in and gave Vinci a haluva kick for the one, two, three. Great. Should have never happened. Would love an explanation on where the fucking SmackDown tag team titles are going. 
or if we're getting a unification and we're going to get one set of titles and the divisions will be operating on both Raw and SmackDown. Sonya Deville. She was with Chelsea Green. But people tell me this was a good show. Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville approached some woman backstage and asked her to sign a petition to save the ocean. I'd love to throw whoever wrote this show in the fucking ocean. And I don't want them to be saved. So they kind of rushed her through it. They asked her to sign. They didn't want her to read it because clearly it wasn't about saving the fucking ocean. Then they approached Zia Lee, who basically was drafted to sit around and do nothing for the next 12 months. Nice to know you, Zia Lee. Green says it's promoting reduce, reuse, recycle. So they're making up invalid reasons or excuses as to what this petition is, and they're having people sign it for whatever reason. Next, they approached Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. They said it was to oppose injustices in the world. DeVille said it's a petition for a rematch for the tag team titles after they were unjustly cheated out of the belts. Indy then examined the petition. Chelsea Green called her Inga. Her name is not Inga, it's Indy. Dexter Loomis then read over the document and he gave it a thumbs down. Green says that was rude and then told Dexter Loomis to smile. Sony Deville says that they would regret it. Gargano said the whole family is back together. He said it'll be great when he shows up and he joins the family. Lorraine says she didn't think he would fit in and hope that he didn't see him again. And Dexter doesn't care for him either. Now, who is him? Who is him? Johnny Gargano is alluding to Tommaso Ciampa, who will be back soon. He says when he's back soon, the whole family will be back together. Candice LeRae does not want to see Tommaso Ciampa anywhere near Johnny Gargano. And if you know that story, you could see why Candice LeRae doesn't want Tommaso Ciampa anywhere near Johnny Gargano. Because when that happens, the man cannot be trusted. One of the greatest feuds in the history of this entire company. Those two guys right there. What they did in NXT Black and Gold made the entire brand the hottest brand on the fucking planet. If they get back together, I would be a happy man. That is going to be great television. DIY, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Take my money. Can't wait. Looks like WWE is getting the way back together. Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano, Indy Hartwell, and Dexter Loomis. Dexter will be with Indy as they were an on-screen couple in NXT. Indy and Candice can operate, can operate in the tag team division. And then with Champa joining the fold, you could get Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa doing the singles thing or doing the tag team thing. So the way apparently is going to be pushed by Triple H. Triple H is going is to really focus on the way getting over on the main roster. And it was reported uh, as well. So he's got major plans for that faction on Monday night. And I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's going to be awesome. Tommaso Ciampa back on TV makes me a very happy guy. Nikki Cross versus Zoe Stark. 
two minutes. You call up Zoe Stark from NXT, you put her on Monday Night Raw, and instead of letting the woman work, which we know she could, she works a two-minute match with somebody that is dead to rights and ice cold in the women's division. Two minutes. What can the woman do in two minutes for the crowd to really invest their time into what Zoe Stark is doing? I don't know. But I'm the one who's complaining. Zoe Stark is not going to do what she needs to do in two minutes. Zoe Stark is not going to win the fans over on the main roster by working a two-minute match with somebody that nobody gives a fuck about. Stark drop-kicked Nikki Cross twice, and then she super-kicked Nikki and hit her Z360 Tilt-A-Whirl gut buster for the one, two, three. That was it. Zoe Stark is very good. Triple H and Shawn Michaels fucking love Zoe Stark. She's going to do fine if they let her go. I seriously hope the main roster audience takes to Zoe Stark because she is very, very good. She can be a little cringe at times, and she doesn't really have a gleaming character. But when you see her work in the ring... She is going to be the woman that is going to be the workhorse in that division. And she is going to be the woman that will be a champion. She will be a women's champion, but she will never be the face of the division. WWE will never call upon Zoe Stark to be the face of the division like a Bianca Belair or a Rhea Ripley. She is the woman that's going to bring everybody to their best match. Watch. She's going to do fine. But if... They're going to send her out there doing two minutes every fucking week. She's never going to really get over, and nobody's going to buy into her. It's not enough time. I doubt Triple H had anything to do with this. I really do. Nikki Cross and Zoe Stark on a Triple H-led show would get 10 minutes, and they'd go out there and fucking give you a great match. Vince McMahon's the one who does two-minute women's matches, not Triple H. Byron Saxton, he interviewed Rhea Ripley and Dominic backstage. He noted that Rhea Ripley has been on a roll lately. There were people, there were people. I think all of Busted Open Radio, Dave LaGreca, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry, they were having a discussion about Rhea Ripley and Zelina Vega from Backlash. And they said that Zelina Vega should have won the SmackDown women's title at Backlash. Because it was in Puerto Rico. I mean, thank fucking Christ that Mark Henry and Bully Ray are not booking WWE television. That is the most ridiculous thing that I heard all week. Yeah, let's let's have Rhea beat Charlotte in what people were calling the best women's match uh, ever in WWE. And have her lose in her first title defense because Zelina Vega needed to do it for Puerto Rico. Selena Vega hasn't won a fucking match all year outside the go-home show on SmackDown. Now, let's give her the women's championship on SmackDown because it's in Puerto Rico. Holy shit. Shut the fuck up. If you are that blatant and reckless with your creative, I don't think you should really be talking about fucking anything, honestly, especially over the airwaves, to thousands upon thousands of people. 
He asked if she's feeling extra pressure being the number one draft pick on Monday night. She said she welcomes the expectations. She was interrupted by Akira Tozawa and Xavier Woods. Dominic yelled at them. Xavier says his outfit looks like it was from the lost and found. He told him to relax. Dominic says, if you think you're such a comedian, it won't be so funny when I punch you in the face. Xavier asked if he wanted to fight tonight. Tozawa made a face. He left because Rhea Ripley got in Xavier Woods' face. And Ripley stepped up and said, Dom Dom accepts. Xavier said, all right, dumb dumb. If you accept, I'll meet you in the ring. Great. Trish Stratus. She made her ring entrance. And this might have been the worst part of the entire show. Trish Stratus clearly is not paying off being back on WWE television on a semi-regular basis. I don't get it. Everybody loves it. But do you really love Trish Stratus being on TV or do you really like looking at Trish Stratus on WWE TV? There's a big difference between the two. Trish acted all upset and asked, if anybody's seen Becky, have you seen Becky? She's gone missing. She says she is missing and she'll probably be found in a dark, dark corner of Iowa crying in the corner with her dumb daughter. It's quite the random thing to say now. Now we're materializing some fake heat by mentioning Becky's daughter when this has nothing to do with Becky's family. There's no reason why Trish Stratus needs to mention Becky Lynch's dumb daughter, quote-unquote. How does that, and why does that, have any relevance to the material between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. They've already fucked up. The heel turn was fucking trash. And now they're already taking this sinking ship and they're ruining it even more. She said she's two and she doesn't even know her colors. So she is dumb. There are legitimately people out there that were enjoying this segment and said this was a great segment. Those people need to be eradicated off social media and never talk wrestling again. I wanted to, I I legitimately wanted to meet the television after this fucking sentence. She doesn't even know her colors, so she's dumb. I didn't mute the TV because I was wondering what else was going to come out of her mouth. She said she will be found and she will come back, but not on Raw because this is my show, this is my spotlight, and no one's going to steal my spotlight. Becky's music then played. Trish acted all nervous, but then she began to laugh and said the fans are that dumb and gullible, just like when Becky thought she was her friend. Becky is never coming back. Trish then said she and her daughter bought a doll and brought it home. Trish said she's not there. Stop chanting Becky's name. You guys are idiots. She said her daughter wanted to call her doll Becky Lynch. She asked her why. She said her daughter said because she's pretty. Becky's music played again. Corey Graves was tweeting something about acknowledging Trish Stratus. Thank you, Trish. Thank you, Trish. 
Trish said, the joke is done. Who played her music? And then all of a sudden, Becky shows up behind Trish wearing a new T-shirt that said, Man of the Masses. She slapped Trish and gave her a Bexploder suplex. Trish retreated. Becky stood in the middle of the ring. She said she's ready to kick Trish's ass. She wanted to say something else. And thankfully, somebody cut her off and hit her theme music. So this god-awful segment finally came to a screeching halt. Becky Lynch is out there. She's looking as ridiculous as ever. My little hobbitses, my precious. Ridiculous. This entire segment was fucking awful. Awful, awful, awful. Whoever wrote this shit for Trish Stratus should be fucking fired. I don't know how this makes it to live television. I said it then, and I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to reiterate it now. All the fucking journalists and the fucking goody goody two-shoes, soy boy, coconut milk, almond milk, drinking fucking pussies in the fucking community who want to sit there and brag and boast about how this is great and Becky can do no wrong and Trish Stratus being back on TV is so great. This shit fucking sucks. Trish needs to be off TV. Becky Lynch is as nauseating as ever. She is just fucking awful to look at. She's awful to listen to. It is so forced. It is so forced. It's not organic. It's not natural. Trish Stratus is a fucking miserable promo. Clearly, she's not a heel. Clearly. I don't know what the fuck they're doing or where they're going with this. The report says they want to stretch this till SummerSlam. My patience has already fucking hit its limit. You stretch that enough. If this shit don't end in Saudi Arabia, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Get this shit on Night of Champions and send Trish back to Canada. She needs to get the fuck off television. I don't know how she's making the division better. You guys, all you care about is what Trish looks like. Her and her skimpy t-shirts. Her and her tight jeans. That's all anybody gives a fuck about. Do you genuinely give a shit to see Trish Stratus wrestle on WWE TV? You don't. Don't tell me that you do because you're full of fucking shit. She doesn't make the division better. The division certainly doesn't need her. You're taking time away from everybody that you called up that could be getting that TV time to get a match in, to get themselves over. But you'd rather put Trish on TV to fucking suck the crowd completely out of it. And then on top of that, you need to fucking pipe in booze and pipe in artificial fucking crowd reactions because you know the fucking segment is a pile of fucking garbage. Am I in the ballpark somewhere? Where's Lita? Who gives a fuck? 
The only reason why Lita and Trish Stratus were on TV is because Vince McMahon wanted Trish Stratus and Lita on TV. There's no way that Triple H would still have Trish Stratus on TV when he's just called up how many fucking women from NXT where he wants to legitimately build a division. I'd love for somebody to ask me, or tell me rather, when I ask you, how is this making the division better? Awful. Absolutely fucking awful. If you enjoyed this segment, go get your head checked out. Xavier Woods. He went one-on-one with Dominic Mysterio. We're going to get the New Day versus Judgment Day? Is that what we're getting? Is this leading to anything? What a random fucking match. All these matches, every match tonight was made in a backstage segment. Every match was made in a... Does anybody fucking figure this shit? Do you see? Do you watch? Every match tonight was made... Besides the tournament, every match was made in a backstage segment. Dominic and Xavier Woods. uh, Fucking uh, Zoe Stark and Nikki Cross. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Imperium. All made in a backstage segment. There's no fucking story. There's nothing, nothing, nothing to sink your teeth into. No stories were started. No stories were even hinted at on anywhere on this show. Ten minutes. This match went ten minutes. Why would I care about this match happening out of nowhere? Because of a backstage segment. Woods was on offense. Dom back body dropped Xavier out of the ring. Dominic cut off Woods because Woods started to make a comeback. He hit three amigos for a two count. Somewhere Shava was crying that Eddie Guerrero was being brought back to television on WWE TV. Woods fought back with a forearm. We got a corner clothesline, a rolling clothesline, a tornado DDT by Xavier Woods. Dominic came right back, spinning back elbow for a two. Dom was taking too much time bragging and showboating. So Woods tripped him up. He draped him over the top rope. He had a missile drop kick. He goes for recovery, gets a two count. Woods went for his flying springboard elbow, but Rhea Ripley yanked Dom out of the ring. And Dom rolled up Woods while holding the tights for a pinfall. Kevin Patrick said, Xavier got him! He yelled, Xavier got him! And then all of a sudden he goes fucking dead radio silent. I'm like, what? But I just saw Dominic win the match. I saw Dominic roll up Xavier Woods. Not Xavier Woods roll up Dominic. I don't know why we didn't draft Kevin Patrick to unemployment. Could that have been a draft pick made? Holy shit. But they got, they fired Tom Phillips. Imagine that. They fired Tom Phillips because nobody knows. And they're sitting with Kevin Patrick on commentary on Monday night, man. Holy shit. You could have fucking Bernie from a weekend at Bernie's do commentary and it would be fucking a thousand times better than Kevin Patrick. Maybe they should get some AI, man. Maybe ChatGPT can do fucking commentary for Kevin Patrick. Awful. 
Who gives a fuck? Dominic beats Xavier Woods. What does it matter? What good comes of it? So we get New Day and Damian Priest and Finn Balor next time feuding with the New Day. Give me a break. Who gives a fuck? We got a video package hyping up Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal! Jinder and Indus Share are coming to Monday night. It's great. Jinder talked about his tag team heading to Raw. He says they have conquered continents and obliterated competition all over the world. He says they have waited patiently for their moments to strike from the shadows. He says they will emerge and shake the very foundation of Monday Night Raw. Everybody's going to shake the fucking foundation of Monday Night Raw. Sure. Sure. Who's excited about Jinder Mahal on Monday Night Raw? Not me. How far they go? Yeah, we'll see. Miz. He approached Nakamura in the back. They were both upset about losing their tournament match. Miz says he told them last week that they needed to watch each other's backs. He says he's willing to forget the disrespect he showed him last week if he reconsiders. Nakamura says he's right. So next week they wrestle each other one-on-one. Miz looked confused. Nakamura says that will be awesome. So Nakamura was moved to Monday Night Raw to feud with The Miz. Wow. Thank you for telling me which match I should step away from tomorrow, uh, next week on Raw. Now I just got to figure out what I'm going to do to fill that void. Sonya Deville and Liv Morgan were backstage and they were confronted by Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Gonzalez. Rodriguez says they just needed to ask for a rematch instead of signing a fucking petition. Liv signed the petition. DeVille and Green then broke out laughing. Green and DeVille says they actually expect to be facing damage control because damage control is going to beat them and the tag team titles will be taken from damage control. Nobody cares. Zero people give a shit about this match. Kathy Kelly interviewed Cody Rhodes backstage. She asked for his reaction to be taking out of the tournament by Brock Lesnar. Cody says, Kathy, I know it's your job that you have to ask these questions. Respectfully, the tournament was mine to win. He says he's not sure what to say. Actually, I do know what to say. This is the second time that Lesnar has attacked him for no reason Really, Cody? Really? He attacked you for no reason? No shit! Are we going to get that explanation? Are you going to tell us why he attacked you? Is Brock going to tell us why he attacked you? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. My ears are clean. I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting to hear why Brock attacked you. No reason. And from behind. So the only reason he can imagine is that Lesnar's monopoly of the main event has been usurped by Cody Rhodes. I would rather see these two guys play Monopoly than wrestle again. 
He says he's become the man around here. He said if Lesnar wants to fight him, it's going against my better judgment. Let's fight. Great. Night of Champions, Lesnar, Rhodes, too. Can't wait. Man, that first match was so great. I can't wait to see another one. Main event. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. This was the semi-final of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament on Monday Night's Raw. This match was fun. Went 14 minutes. Finn Balor wrestled tonight twice. Damian Priest wrestled in his match to open the show. Dominic wrestled Xavier Woods. And Rhea Ripley wrestled Dana Brooke. Judgment Day had five matches on the show. Does anybody see a problem with that? Judgment Day had five matches on a three-hour Monday Night Raw. Meanwhile, how many people did they draft to this show? But we got all the Judgment Day wrestling in five matches tonight. Great. Sounds like a great use of your talent on Monday Night Raw, huh? So, the match itself was fine. It went about 13, 14 minutes. I think everybody kind of knew that Rollins was going to win. I seen some people saying, oh, maybe Finn Balor can win. Some of my guys were texting me, maybe Balor wins. Maybe Balor wins with interference from a new member joining Judgment Day in J.D. McDonough. I didn't want to see that happening now. There was only one winner and one outcome here, and that was Rollins, and he had to win clean. You need to keep the guy who is winning this tournament strong, and that is by winning matches clean. Balor powerbombed Rollins into the barricade. This is the spot that injured Balor in their Universal Championship match in 2016. This led to a commercial break. Now, Rollins sold the arm off of the barricade bomb. It was Balor taking the bomb back in 2016. This time, he administered the bomb to Seth Rollins on the barricade. Rollins sold the arm. He made a comeback. Rollins tried something off the top rope, but Balor reversed it into a cradle for a two count. Transitioned into an arm bar, working on that arm. Rollins slipped out, but Balor hit a sling blade. Balor went for a drop kick, but Rollins hit a super kick for a two count. So they took turns back and forth, slamming each other's heads into the apron until Rollins took over and repeatedly took Balor's head uh, off the apron. Rollins hit an enziguri in the ring. Balor came back. He hits his signature Pele kick. They each set, uh, sat up and smiled at each other before going at it again. Balor hit a double foot stomp. Rollins hit a superplex. But Balor countered the Falcon Arrow into a reverse DDT. Balor no-sold a superplex off the top rope. Balor stomped Rollins in the corner, drop kicked back to the head, and drop kicked him in the corner. Rollins dodged a coup de grace. He hit a one-armed pedigree. Rollins was still selling that arm. It did not look good at all, but he got a near fall. Balor avoided the stomp. But with Balor sitting face up, Rollins stomped his face and did a reverse stomp with the back of his head hitting the mat. And then he hit his usual curb stomp to follow. So we got a face first and a back of the head version of the curb stomp. 
And one, two, three, Rollins wins clean over Finn Balor, and he advances to the finals at Night of Champions. Really good stuff here. This was good stuff. And as you would expect with these two guys, they delivered a great match, and nobody really is surprised that Rollins is in the finals of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. This show sucked, folks. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I said it was good. I said it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at the beginning of the show. Now that I'm reading my notes back, this shit sucked. This show was an absolute fucking waste of my time. Stop accepting mediocrity. Stop accepting good as the, all right, it's good. We can move on. WWE had a draft on Raw, a draft on SmackDown. They called up how many NXT names, and you're okay with just good? They have 40 creative writers in this company, probably more than that, and this is the show that they wrote following a hot backlash and following a six-hour draft that spanned Monday night and Friday night last week. No, but good is what you're willing to accept. This show sucked. Everything outside the world title tournament, this show sucked. Legitimately lifeless, soulless. There's no heat in anything off this show. SmackDown is a different vibe. SmackDown's going to be a different vibe on Friday. Monday Night Raw is just fucking boring. There's no life to this show. I don't know what else to tell you. Thank you guys for joining me on this Monday night, man. 2,700 plus in the venue. I appreciate you guys very much for joining me tonight. If you enjoyed the post show, if you enjoyed this live stream tonight, please hit that thumbs up. We got 942 likes. We need just about 50 more, man. 58 more likes for 1,000 total. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to read them in just a second. Memberships are open. Hit that join button down below. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and go check out all the other content on the channel with more content coming this week. From the podcast. Tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com code JD at checkout for your free sample. Guys, I want you to do the opposite of what Monday Night Raw did tonight, man. I want you guys to enroll yourself in long-term booking. Honestly. BlueChew is going to be your version of long-term booking. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra, as Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. And what I mean by you enrolling in long-term booking, you guys can plan day or night, anytime, plan ahead. Be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Be ready for that main event. process is very simple. Blue Chew 
Medicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesmedicalpeoplesm
Also, did you catch Kevin Patrick thinking Woods was going for a 619? He is awful. Uh, I missed him uh, thinking Woods was going for a 619, but I did catch him botching the ending of the match, saying that Xavier pinned Dominic when it was the other way around. Thank you, Ray J. Uh, Tutti Fruity with a 199 and a 499. Tonight's Raw was good, especially the matches. I almost thought Natalia was the big return they were talking about until Becky came out. Uh, Tutti Fruity Raw was not good tonight. Raw was not good tonight. I don't know what show you watched. Raw was not good tonight. Uh, who's bashing Tony Brown? If anybody's bashing Tony Brown, get him the fuck out of here. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. JD, did you see my tweet about Becky Lynch's face? No, I did not. Rodragon with a new membership. Rodragon, what the fuck are you drinking? Rodragon. Guardian of the script. For the three months. Grimsley. This show warranted a gimmick change. I think the biggest problem with Raw is Kevin Patrick and three hours. USA crowds should be embarrassed. This is where Imperium should have won. Yeah, man. I, I wouldn't have even I wouldn't have even booked the match. I would have not booked Imperium versus KO and Sami Zayn. Uh, Andre Morgan, suck my dick, bro. You're making fun of a VIP that's been here since, uh, I mean, since I started the whole venue gimmick. Get out. Fucking dare you come into my chat ripping on my VIPs, bro. You aren't going to win that battle, man. Not by a long shot. ER Sane with a 199. I absolutely cannot stand Seth's match graphics. Bro, I don't even pay attention to that shit. Uh, who cares? There's a lot other shit to be complaining about, bro. That's not one of them. Now I'm curious to know what he says. He says, Tony Brown, get your life occupied and get a real woman in real life and stop thirsting over a woman you will never get. Yes, Andre, because you'd never found a woman on TV to be attractive, right? I don't know why we need to find... I don't know why we need to be called names because we find a woman attractive on TV. What a complete retard. Rick Morty with a two months. If Austin Theory is in this tournament, not sure why Gunther couldn't have replaced The Miz. Well, Gunther's untouchable, so they didn't want to have him lose in any way, shape, or form. That's why he's not there. Imperium is a stable on Raw. They are not on SmackDown. 
Sean Ray J with a five dollar super chat and by Raw After Mania vibes. I meant the lack of surprises that we were supposed to get, the dead crowd, and so much filler coming off a hot backlash. Nothing will be as bad as the Raw After Mania. Francis Luke with a twenty dollar super chat. Thank you, brother. Did you say first World Heavyweight Champion didn't Ric Flair bring the title to WWF in 1992? Didn't Hulk Hogan spray paint the World Heavyweight title? The NWO title in 1990s? There's only one world champion today, and it's MJF. Uh, Francis, this is not big gold. This is not big gold. This is a brand new lineage of titles. With a 499 Super Chat. JD, respectfully, Cody's real life adversity story was always going to be better than the manufactured garbage WWE came up with. Should have won at Mania. It was not enough time to win at Mania. He was never going to win at Mania. Stop saying he should have won at Mania. Looking back at it, yes, probably. But nobody envisioned it being this bad. Cody was never going to beat Roman in his first time. Vince was never going to allow an AEW EVP to come back to the company after he made his name over there to beat his number one guy. It was never going to happen. Basic with a 499. So SmackDown superstars can wrestle for this new championship. I'm going to say it. This gives Vince the opportunity to put that belt on Reigns. Well, Reigns is not in the tournament, and nobody from SmackDown is going to win the tournament. Seth Rollins is winning the tournament. Twenty-four with a one ninety-nine. He says Judgment Day had five matches tonight. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Tay Tay with a 499. Did WWE give us anything about the women's championships? No. The notorious People's Bean with a 99 cent super chat. No message. Thank you, Bean. And then a 199 super chat. He says, We need answers. I agree a thousand percent. That may be the comment of the evening. Thank you for your first time Super Chat, brother. Max Mello with a 499. Raw wasn't boring, but had interesting matches. I feel it should have been Seth versus Cody tonight, and then Brock comes in. It just sounds better to me. Well, uh, Max Mello, I'm glad you're not booking the show because that would have just made Seth look weak and show that Seth needed help to beat Cody when we know he can beat Cody one-on-one straight up. Seth needed to win clean, and that's exactly what happened. William Sweeney with a 199. What the fuck is on your playlist? I need it. Uh, William, just Spotify Andy James. We got... 
Peter Gay. More in the chat. 220. No Omas. Never fear. Gaymore is here. Thank you, Peter Gaymore. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, 24 with a 199. Mustafa Ali has a Bo Dallas gimmick now. Yes, and it's awful. Max Mello with a 199. I'm telling you, he should have won at Mania. The Scorpio Prince with a $5 Super Jack. Cody is now officially the new Daniel Bryan. Something always getting in his way from winning the big one. Yeah, but this time he's not really battling an administration or a GM or the corporation. He's battling Brock Lesnar, and that's fucking lame. Joseph Gonzalez with a 199. Only one person won their Raw debut tonight. Gregory Benson with a 9.99 and a 1.99. I love Trish Stratus, but my goodness, they rehashed an old promo she cut on Christy Hemme back in 2005, and it was so downright nauseating, I almost slipped it on the Cardinals-Cubs game. And then he says the Cardinals' bullpen sucks. I mean, that division is uh, nothing but the Pirates and the Brewers. So, uh, I mean, I, you're going to have a tough time this year, bro. It looks like those two teams are playing good. D. Brown with a seven months. Man, I'm glad I passed on this garbage. There's no way Vince isn't booking at least most of this shit. D. Brown, you're a smart man. You're a smart man. Fallen exposure with a $5 super chat. It would make more sense for Brock to buddy up with Cody to help take out Roman since he couldn't beat him. No way, pal. Brock is jealous of Cody, pal. 2 Fruity with a four ninety nine. The fact they made the piped-in crowd noise is that obvious when the crowd was dead is crazy. Also, I meant the matches were good, most of them. What good is a good match with no story? Jay Best. 199, I welcomed Omas to the job squad and got blocked. I guess we're not homo sapiens, Jay. I'm blocked as well. Tutti Fruity. $4.99 and $4.99. Did Finn Balor really just wait seven years for a receipt? Yes, he did. And by the way, Cody now has two receipts coming because of backlash. With a 499 Super Chat. JD, what are your top five theme songs that you use for your intro? Um 
Well, Dr. D and Red Skies is definitely probably number one. Uh, I love anything by Andy James, especially the new stuff, Tombstone by Andy James. Uh, the new one that I played tonight was Forsaken by Andy James. This one's called The Watcher, The Long Road by Andy James. Uh, I love. I, I like uh, Losing My Mind by Onlap. Not really my type of music, but some good stuff to get you guys pumped up. Also, Theo with a four ninety nine. Sorry that I missed your podcast lately. Hope all is well, my brother. Much love. Thank you, Theo. Patches with a two dollar super chat. Brock says he's not a coward after a sneak attack. Again, written by Vince. Logic gap by Vince. Go figure. Yes, uh, I can't forget Space Strippers as well. I mean, I would really like to change that being the uh, the intro to When I Drive. Um, but the song I want to use, I can't use because it's uh, a, a copyrighted uh, song. Thank you, Patches. Sinister with eight months. I would have replaced Seamus with Titus. And I could see Dana getting a singles push up until Charlotte's return. Long-term booking. Raw was a 9.6 out of 10. OTS for life. Uh, Sinister may be drunk. Sinister may be drunk. I don't know. What the fuck did you people serve Gim- uh, Sinister? Jesse. Jesse. What, what, did you, what did you serve this guy, man? with a 4.99 top 5 WWE or WWF theme songs you like your entire life oh I don't know man uh, I mean I love Nakamura's I love Bobby Roode's glorious uh, Shawn Michaels the sensational Sherry version um, CM Punk this Fire Burns by Killswitch Engage. Randy Orton's original theme. There's so many, bro. Obviously, Metalingus Edge. Uh, Gregory Benson with a 9.99 Super Chat. He says, at least your Braves are leading the Mets by seven games. Yeah, well, I mean, this was the same thing but reversed last year. I don't think the Braves are that terrible to let go of a a seven-game lead. And Bradley Xavier with a $5 Super Chat. So it looks like Triple H taking over was another hope spot for WWE. Like SmackDown in 2016 when Heyman and Bischoff took over creative. Sad days once again. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, Vince is booking this show and Triple H is booking SmackDown, man. It's a 50-50 split. It's father and uh, son. Father-in-law and son. In-law. It's exactly what it is. Nobody's going to fucking tell me otherwise, man. All right, listen, guys, I appreciate you joining me tonight. I appreciate you hanging out tonight. In the OTS venue. Thank you guys so much for all your support. Appreciate you all stopping by tonight, hanging out with me for this Monday Night Raw review. We got another tournament 
taking place on Friday Night SmackDown. Got the SmackDown side of the tournament. The Scorpio Prince with a $2 super chat. L.A. Knight is Johnny Bravo come to life. I used to watch Johnny Bravo. Hollywood Eric with a $5 super chat. Hey, I love how you always call what happens. You called Seth winning Brock costing Cody. I mean, it wasn't really that difficult, Hollywood Eric. I appreciate you. And Joseph Taylor, $2 super chat. JD, I like King of My World by Saliva. I, I do not like Saliva. You know whose theme song was fucking great, too, now that I uh, think about it? Um, who the fuck was it, man? Uh, shit. I forgot, man. Bray Wyatt's original theme was good, too. The Wyatt theme. The Wyatt family theme. Ah. Sami Zayn's original theme. Uh, the, the, one, the one he has now. Um, there's so many, man. Sinister, the mighty Omos with the 199 Super Chat. I think that's my cue to get out of here, man. You guys are mentioning Omos. All right, listen, guys. I appreciate you joining me tonight. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Batista's a good theme, yes. At JD from NY206 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. I'll see you guys back in the sub boxes tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be some news. Right here on the channel, man. Thank you guys. Have a great night, and I will see you back live. I may do something tomorrow night. I don't know. I'll let you guys know. If not Wednesday, right here with Jesse for AEW Dynamite live from Detroit. Omega and Moxley Steel Cage on Dynamite. See you guys later.